There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. 4001. If you'd like to have your say, we're asking a variety of questions for you this evening on the final grill of 2019 and to that end, the final grill of the last decade. So we want to know what, what are your sporting highlights? We're trying to sort of, uh, you know, Put, a, put, put, put more of a focus on it. Uh, best sportsman of the last decade or the last year. Best sportswoman of the last decade or the last year. Best sporting moment of the last decade or year. Uh, whatever it is, we'd love to hear from you. Please do share your thoughts with us by texting now on 4001. Uh, Archie is crunching the numbers for us over there. He's brought us up to date with what's going on in the world of cricket. It's stumps now, isn't it, at both those games, isn't it? It is stumps in the two test matches that are taking place over in Centurion uh, Pretoria. Day three has been completed. And I could say that South Africa were in a dominant position for much of the first three days, but England have fought their way back at stumps. They are currently 121 for one. They did require, they did require the massive score of uh, 376 for victory, but now they find themselves 262 runs in arrears, with a chance of victory, nine wickets in hand, and plenty of batting to come in the middle order. So maybe an outside chance there for England to uh, get back into the Test match tomorrow. And Australia firmly in control of the second Test match against the New Zealand Black Caps. New Zealand dismissed during their day for 148. That was in reply to Australia's first innings of 467. At stumps on day three, Australia 137 for four. That's a massive lead of 456 with six wickets remaining. Only one team's going to win that Test match, Tom. That's going to be the Aussies. Uh, interesting news, though, that Neil Wagner... Who claimed his 200th Test wicket in the match? He's now dismissed Steve Smith four times in four innings, which hasn't been done by many bad bowlers in recent years. Either getting his wicket full stop, so Neil Wagner's bounced him out almost four times uh, in the in the last four innings and and, and managed to dismiss Steve Smith. Um, and find, found a way of getting his very valuable wicket. But uh, Aussies firmly in control of that match, and I think uh, South Africa still in control in uh, Centurion, but England have fought their way back in that final session. OK, again, uh, trying to focus a bit more on some of the highlights of the last uh, 12 months or the last 10 years, for that matter. What about the Premier League? Uh, it is something we talk about every single Saturday right here on The Grill. It's something we talk about on Dubai Eye every single night uh, of the week. It is something that's talked about by billions the world over. It is with out doubt one of the great sporting products uh, globally at the moment and it has grown uh, exponentially over the last 10 years it's also thrown up no shortage of theme lines and surprises and some pretty good goals can't do it justice over three hours the best goals of the premier league in the last 10 years but this should give you a little bit of an insight Cissé. oh that is sensational with another blinding strike. Lucas. Jones made his way into the box. Well, that is a moment to savour. Andre Shan has blocked one straight over the top draw. Here comes Payet. Bell again. Bell goes for goal! Oh, what a goal! What a strike. There's nothing Yaskalainen can do there. Percy making a trademark run again. And what a ball to pick him out!
Jack Wilshire, Kuzola, Giroud, Giroud again, Jack Wilshire! It's stunning from Arsenal, beautiful, beautiful football! Wilson near post, and one year pops to punch. It's a sumptuous goal. Davis driving his holding. It's Amanda. Still Amanda. Wonderfully done. What a sensational goal. That was outstanding from Johan Amanda. Launch long trying to set Jamie Vardy away. And he's there. Oh, what a goal. You have just seen something right out of the very top floor! Obiang. Oh, yeah. oh, Wembley shot here. Oh, what a shot! It's an absolute stunner! Gosling. Decent ball across, which company has to clear. Good strike from Daniels! What a strike! An absolute thunderbolt! Yeah, there'll be no shortage uh, of talking points and belters of goals over the last 10 years in the Premier League. I mean, as a product, Mark Arch, uh, you're, a, you're a sports marketeer. You're, a, you're, a, you're, a, you're an aficionado of, of a good sporting product. Premier League's got to be up there, isn't it? Uh, I, I, think, I think globally they're the most prominent football league. I think we can debate, you know, the, the, the La Liga and the, and the two strong teams there. You can look at the Bundesliga, but that's been dominated by one team generally for the, for the decade. And, and France doesn't really rank in those top three or four. So I, I, th- I just think as, as a global product with teams and players and stars and finances, I think the Premier League tops all. And um, whilst it might not have the best, best players all of the time, the strength of depth now across the Premier League, all 20 teams, is far superior than other, for me, any other, any other team in Europe. So let's, let's try and compare and contrast with other sports, though, if we can. I mean, um, compare Premier League from 2010 to Premier League 2020. Compare that to other sports that have come to challenge here or grown with it as well. I, I'm, I'm referencing, obviously, NFL. I'm referencing the NBA. Yeah. I'm referencing IPL as well. I mean, in terms of a product, specifically, uh, not just specifically for the Asian market, but for, for elsewhere, I mean, that's got to have challenged the eyeballs. Yeah, I, th- I think I think English Premier League is definitely one of the iconic leagues of the world. I, I, I would probably argue that the NFL, probably not. The NFL is, is, mass- is the biggest sport in, in the U.S., but it's not it's not nearly nearly as big uh, as in Europe or in in China. Um, but I do think we do have some goal action coming here in this match. Uh, Chris McCarty and I'm going to go to Tom Urquhart. There has been action, and it is from Newcastle. Yeah, and it is Newcastle <laughs> making a putt. <laughs> We put, put the ball in the hole. Uh, they have done exactly that. They have equalised uh, in the 55th minute. Ball coming across uh, from the left-hand side. We'll get confirmation of the goal score for you in a few moments' time. Uh, bit uh, of a header back into the ground. and nice finish as well. Right-footed volley uh, right from uh, just in front of the penalty spot. And it is Shah with the goal. The number five for Newcastle. Shah with his finger to his uh, lips, hushing his critics. 
tushing the crowd at Newcastle. Steve Bruce's Newcastle have equalised against Everton. It's 1-1 in that one. Uh, any others that you've thrown into the mix? No, so you, we're talking about sort of the iconic leagues of the world in the last decade that are dominant. I think the Premier League's done an amazing job becoming global. I would say of all the American codes, I'd say the NBA has global prominence because of the, the amount of international players that play in the league. So everyone tends to follow that. It's a massive sport in China, albeit not as big as somewhere like India, but the NBA also has a lot of relevance, I think, in Europe because there are a lot of European players playing in that league as opposed to, say, NFL, as opposed to uh, ice hockey to a degree as well, the NHL as well. You talk about the IPL. The IPL has been a revelation in the last decade. Yep. When that burst on the scene, I think it was 2008, maybe the first season of the IPL, around then, 2008, 2009. I don't think we were the, we were the first adoptees, were we, you and I? No. We, we, we weren't we, early we, adopters. We, yeah, and you look at the, and that and how well the Big Bash has done as well. So the different T20 franchise leagues have, have changed the face of, of cricket as a sport, as a global spectacle. And, you know, you, you can probably argue that the IPL, whilst it's massive in India, it's also big in some of the cricketing countries with so many of those cricketing nations like Australia contributing, like the English players that do, do get a chance to play in it and the other international players that get a part to play in the IPL. It has become extremely dominant uh, as well. Um, I'm just trying to think of others, Tom. Any other sporting I mean, leagues that spring to mind? That again, they've tried the sort of franchise stuff in, 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 the, in the world of tennis, haven't they? It hasn't really worked. Uh, I mean, WTA, Six Nations, has that grown? Has the ATP grown? Uh, the only other one I would suggest that has, 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 has grown with investment is F1. Uh, but again, it's a, still a niche market for a sport, a very global sport. And has it got massively bigger or more popular? They still have 20 races. It's still, um, you know, we still see dominance by, by, by a handful of teams in Formula One. But it is a truly global sport. They do go all around the globe in the 20 races that do have, starting in Australia, ending in Abu Dhabi. They do touch every pocket of the world. So there is sort of universally popular in sort of in terms of motor racing and is the dominant motor racing code so to speak send us your thoughts uh, any other leagues uh, or events that we should throw into the mix that have really come to establish themselves as a global product in the last 10 years of sport uh, in the meantime we take a few moments break when we come back uh, chris has been down at the globe soccer conference he's been talking to the decision makers in the beautiful game we'll be hearing from them next This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Uh, so uh, it is Crystal Palace who've taken the lead uh, against uh, their opponents uh, in the clash uh, down at Southampton. And it is Luka uh, Milovic uh, who has taken the free kick. Uh, doesn't go for goal, instead whipping it into the box where that man James Tompkins nods yeah. it into the right corner. You saw this one. Yeah, it was a great goal. It really was. It was a great delivery from Milovic and uh, James Tompkins is there. Great header into the top corner. Alex McCarthy can do absolutely nothing. It's been coming. Crystal Palace have been good in this game and if they do see out this two wins from two days West Ham at home followed by a win on the south coast blooming good Christmas for Roy Hodgson I can also tell you Newcastle have levelled things up as I'm sure you told our listeners Fabian Schad it was Tom that levelled things up so Newcastle won Everton won Southampton nil Crystal Palace won Watford won Aston Villa nil what will all of that mean well it will keep Everton 14th Southampton will stay 15th Aston Villa down in 18th and Watford will close the gap to safety and I appreciate we're only at the halfway mark through the season but all every point counts they will move to within three points of safety your beloved or rather your non-beloved West Ham embattled embattled that's yeah. the one begrudging uh, well, I can also tell you, Ad uh, Adrian Mariapa has been sent Ooh, off has he really? in the game between Watford and Aston Villa. Henry Lansbury uh, was clattered by Mariapa, uh, who was already on a yellow. Second sees him pick up that red as well. I love this little address as well. Uh, somebody watching the Newcastle-Everton game um, calling Andy Carroll the new Meza Ozil. <laughs> He's provided three assists in the last five Premier League games, <laughs> as many as he'd registered in his previous 89 combined. Uh, so, Carol, back on fire uh, for the Magpies. Uh, talking on football, uh, yeah, we might be focusing on the Premier League because, well, for some bizarre reason, 
we just like to play about 14 games in 14 days over in the UK because that's what the people want at this time of year and that's what Premier League footballers are paid to do. Uh, however, in the meantime, every other professional footballer uh, across Europe and pretty much across the world are sunning themselves on beaches here in Dubai and enjoying uh, a new year and festive break. There is a real who's who of football in town at the moment, Chris. There certainly is, yeah. The Globe Soccer Awards, the Dubai International Sports Conference, 14th edition of oh, that. Oh, we almost, it is a goal. goal. We've got another goal. Let's break away from that for a second. We head to St James's Park and Dominic Calvert-Lewin cannot stop scoring. Carlo in. Angelotti is, well, you wouldn't know it, but his side lead because he's cut... He really is an odd ball, is Carlo Angelotti. Pretty cool, isn't he? He's pretty playing cool. It proper cool. Everton are back in front. They rob Newcastle of possession. I think it's Theo Walcott on the halfway line. He feeds it down the right hand side. Gilfie Sigurdsson, is it? I think it is. Down that right hand side. Or is it? Uh, we'll double check this. I think it's Gilfie Sigurdsson. That looks to, or is that Richarlson? I think that could be Richarlson in actual fact. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, it is Richarlson, bustling his way down the right-hand side. He crosses it, and there is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He almost misses it, in all honesty. There is a little bit of celebration from Carlo Ancelotti. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, though, cannot stop scoring. That is now three goals in two games under the Italian. It's Newcastle 1, Everton 2. You're right, he did all he could to miss it, didn't he? Oh, it was like sure. Gaza-esque in Euro 96 <laughs> against Germany. He kind of scuffs it in with his studs, but by hook or by crook, it's in at the empty net, and Everton have retaken the lead to get back to the point though Tom you were down at Madnight's day yeah? yeah Dubai International Sports Conference uh, 14th edition heck of a lineup once again know. I'm not quite sure how they do it but uh, I was fortunate enough to panel the opening session of the morning Fabio Capello Edwin van der Sar and Ferran Soriano the CEO of the City Football Group the following session well there was numerous big names there there was Joao Felix was there Romelu Lukaku and Merlian Pjanic the Bosnian Juventus midfielder with Mikel Silvestri and then later on in the afternoon Ryan Giggs Didier Deschamps and Simone Inzaghi were doing a little bit of a, a tactical masterclass and looking at ways that technology and has, uh, I guess, had an effect on modern day training techniques. Fascinating stuff. I've got to say they did a great job down there at Madina Jumeirah. And on the sidelines of this particular event, I caught up with Ferran Soriano. I've got to say, Tom, massively impressed with him. Talks very well. Someone who has a real clarity of thinking about how the game should be played, how the game should be governed. I caught up with him on the sidelines of this one. He spoke eloquently. Fabio Capello, likewise. Edwin van der Sar, a little bit more kind of, I guess, a little bit more reserved. Not fair on. Very honest. Sees the game clearly. I caught up with him, and I had to get all things. Man City, all things City Football Group. The future of Pep Guardiola comes up as well. Long-ranging, wide-ranging uh, conversation. This, let's hear it now. Well, you you see football growing everywhere. There are dimensions of football that sometimes we don't think about. But if you ask yourself, who is a football fan in the world? The the numbers are one on every two person. So it means that if you think about, it, in ten years, will be eight billion people. That means four billion football fans. No other sports comes near this. Nowhere near. Global and, and with such a following. So it is only natural that football will develop in India, in China, in Malaysia, in Indonesia. And as the same coaching techniques and the same management techniques are spread it around the world, these regions will grow. What's the end game? Is it money, ultimately, or is it about finding and unearthing talent for Manchester City? Or is it a bit of both? Well, obviously, football is also a business, right? So our mission is to deliver to football fans around the world beautiful football, good football. To do that, you need money, yeah. right? You need money to capture the best talent and develop it. And that, for that, you need to be commercial. So it goes... All is in the same, it's like a virtuous cycle. You get the money, you invest in coaches and players, and you get better players and better coaches that generate more money. So, it is a, it is a, a, a great global opportunity. What are the accelerators of that? Obviously, one of them would be players from India, or China, or any big country being successful in Europe. Still, yeah. European football is number, number one. So imagine one Indian player playing in Manchester City would change Indian football forever. 
Chechi, I want to come back to him because it stuck with me. You said it at this very event two years ago. He's an important part of Manchester City. Give us an insight. Is he an important part of City Football Group across the board or is his main mission only Man City? His mission is Manchester City only. There is another person by the name of Brian Marwood who is the global football director. He's the one that coordinates all the football directors in the group. And his mission is to coordinate the football directors of each team and give them guidance and help them in their, in their uh, work. Obviously, every team has its football director and they focus on their team, but we have a sense of the group and we have a sense of the way we want to play football that is the same in all our teams. Let's get back to Man City, and I promise I won't keep you too much longer, Ferran. Mikel Arteta, a man that I know Pep has spoken at length. I've had the, the pleasure of listening to Pep talk up Mikel's credentials, has left the football club. Do you feel that he will be a success at Arsenal, and how big a loss is he to your club? Uh, yes, I, I hope he'll be, he'll be uh, successful. He's been with us, and he has contributed uh, within Pep's team, and he's also learned a lot from, from Pep, and I think this might be the logical... A development stage in uh, his career to eventually be a top manager in the future. Um, obviously, like all good people, we, we didn't we don't want our good people to go. But if it's good for them, we're we're we're, we're happy for them. You're a lot of points behind Liverpool in the title race. Champions League, I guess, takes on that much more greater importance. How important is it for City's growth as a club worldwide? that you finally win the Champions League? For the owners down in Abu Dhabi as well, how much onus have they put on winning the biggest prize in European football? It's very important to say that we're not and we'll never be obsessed about this because, as you know, the Champions League is only partially about playing very well. Yeah. It's also about a bit of luck, yeah. right? So you look at last, last year, I think we didn't go to the quarter-final or the semi-final, sorry, because of a, because of a referee mistake. Um, and you see the semi-final between Tottenham and, and Ajax, it went to the last minute. Crazy. So you can't rely all your strategy and work on this because you might be unlucky for 10 years, right? So, of course, in the next decade, I think for Manchester City to win once the Champions League will be important. But will it be this season or next season or the following? It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter because we cannot focus only on this. We have to focus on playing good football every day, every week. And by playing good football, one day we'll get to the Champions League final. It's also very important to say that you kind of mentioning choosing among competitions. That is impossible, right? Yeah. So if you lose your interest in one competition and you're less intense, you cannot change this from Sunday to Wednesday. It doesn't work like this. You cannot be playing on Sunday with less intensity and then on Wednesday, because it's the Champions League, I'm going to change gears. No. It doesn't work like that. And it happens often with teams that have very easy run in the domestic league and then they try to go to the Champions League and, and, and play at a, at, a, at a higher gear. You can't, right? So for us, we need to play now for every game. Even though the Premier League is very difficult, it doesn't matter. We need to try to win every game. The Manchester City way as well, Farhan. It was interesting listening to Fabio Capello talking about Liverpool and that they have this style which is go forward and it's very much direct. It's fast, attacking football, but it's direct. And, and you said, well, hold on a second, Fabio. The youth of today teaching our philosophy, Pep's way of playing, it is the best way to play. Kevin De Bruyne has gone on record as saying as well that he has improved mentally. You wouldn't believe how, he, how much he's improved as a footballer working under Pep. Give us your own kind of breakdown, if you will, your own explanation of the Pep way. What does it demand of individuals? So, first of all, it's, it's, you have to make the difference between the style of football that you need to develop players Yes. and to win, right? So you might decide that to win one game, you're going to change some styles of execution or whatever. But to teach kids the way we do it, the typical 4-3-3, trying to keep the possession of the ball, is the system that allows you to see the talent, allows kids to develop the talent, because it's not based on physical strength, it's based on talent and intelligence, yeah. right? So this is what we do everywhere. Now, this system requires a lot of intensity. So if you see our teams playing, the 
fight very hard to recover the ball. You cannot sit in the back and give the ball to the opponent, right? And that means concentration, physical strength and speed. And that is challenging because one is not executed perfectly because it leaves a lot of space in the back. It gets you into trouble, right? So if you want to play with five in the back, you can be a bit more relaxed because you're you're actually giving yourself a lot of leeway. You have the players are together, they're in the back, and you know you make a mistake, uh, a, col- a teammate is gonna help you. If you're playing with a high defensive line, giving giving yards behind you, yeah. if you make one mistake, nobody's gonna help you. Oh. And that means you need to be very much focused. It requires more from the players. Last one from me. Pep has said he is committed to Man City. Is there any fears as a man who knows him better than most? We've seen it. We've seen now managers burn out. Mauricio Pochettino this time last year. If I had said to you he'd be no longer Spurs boss and that Jose Mourinho would be in charge, you would have laughed in my face. With Pep, are you confident that his energy levels are still high and that he remains committed for the long term? Sure. He has said this many times. And also I can say our commitment. We're committed to him. So, so he'll stay, we'll stay with him and we're convinced of what he's doing, we're convinced about what we're doing together and mm. there's no question that we will continue to work together. Just on that though you uh, strike me as a man and as a football club there's no doubt Man City you leave no stone unturned you can only look at what you're doing regenerating a part of Manchester you look at what you've done from a footballing standpoint you've revolutionised in many respects you've risen the level do you keep an eye like you would on young players do you keep an eye on coaches are you a database of what young coaches are doing ideas and whether they fit with the Manchester City mantra all the time yeah all the time we 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 have some interesting stories uh, let me give you one we we have a team in australia in melbourne yeah. so we've learned about australian football and we got to know the australia national team manager which is an australian man of, of greek, uh, greek origin yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. so we convinced Angie. we saw what he was doing and we convinced him to go to japan to manage our team in japan and he did very well and he's won the league. Um, so the, w- the same way that we're looking for talent for uh, players, we're looking for talent for coaching. And we've moved coaches. We had a um, French coach that we had in Japan, now he's in Australia. We've given opportunities to our coach to develop so that the same way that, that players move from team to team, maybe Angie's doing very well in Japan, maybe he'll, do, he'll go somewhere else. And, and we'll have a, a stream of coaches growing with, uh, with the group. And do they have to have a way of thinking about the game? Is that something that you tap into? It's very, very simplistic. Either you believe in it or you don't. If you don't believe, you can't work with us. It's almost a religion. If you believe in the way we look at football, you can work with us. If you don't believe it, even if you say you're going to do it and you understand, it's so difficult because you have to have a belief, a real belief. Um, so it, it doesn't mean that there are not many other good um, coaches everywhere, but they, they're just not good for us because we play a specific style of football. Live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Uh, unbelievable goal. We've got a couple of goals to report on. Been away. Yeah. Chris, what's happening? Yeah, let's go to St Mary's first. Uh, last time we spoke to you, Crystal Palace were leading this one by a goal to nil. I can tell you it is now Southampton 1, Crystal Palace 1. Danny Ings it was with the goalies in a rich vein of form as the former Burnley and Liverpool man. He pounces on it and he just strokes it into the far corner. Fantastic finish that from Danny Ings. Southampton 1, Crystal Palace 1. I can tell you Watford are now out of sight. Bad day. As soon as I saw that Aston Villa lineup, I did not like it one little bit. They are now 3-0 down or Villa. Two goals from Troy Deeney, including a penalty. Throw in an Ismaili Sar goal as well. This Incidentally, for 10-man Watford, Adrian Mariapa was sent off for two bookable offences after 57 minutes. And is that Leighton Baines been sent off? 
No, it's been him substituted. OK, fair. Troy Deeney it was who doubled their advantage from the penalty spot after 67 minutes. Ismaili Saar then has made it 3-0 Watford after 71. A bad, bad, bad day at the office for Dean Smith's Aston Villa. Watford 3 Villa nil. Oh, what's happening in the rugby? Mark Archer. Yeah, domestic rugby in the Northern Hemisphere taking place. Four matches in the English Premiership. Three matches apiece in the Pro 14 and the Top 14 in France. Uh, one result in from the Premiership. Northampton have defeated Gloucester 33 points to 26. The three games underway. Bath uh, trail by sale by one point. 14 points to 13. Worcester have a dominant lead over London Irish. 18 points to 6. And the match just kicked off at the Stoop in South West London. Quinns lead Leicester with an early penalty three points to nil. One result in from the Pro 14 in the Italian derby Benetton have beaten Zebre 36 points to 25 in the Scottish derby it's been a ding dong match this. Edinburgh who were ahead of Glasgow are now trailed by two points so Glasgow lead Edinburgh 19 points to 17 and the late kickoff in the Pro 14 is the All Irish Affair. It's Munster hosting Leinster. A couple of results coming in from the top 14. Leon have thrashed Bayonne 52 points to 9 and Racing 92 uh, a leading brief uh, 37 points to 20 Tom. Uh, one man we need to talk about in our review not so much of the last 12 months but certainly the last 10 years he's left a mark and will continue to do so is Zlatan uh, because why on earth are we talking about him he's going back to AC Milan yes indeed yeah confirmed it didn't he in his own unique way on social media yesterday an 18 month deal for Zlatan what is he now 38 38 years of age is Latan. He's done it all, bless him. He went to America, didn't quite conquer it. He scored goals for fun. He took over LA, the City of Angels. Didn't win an MLS Cup, but nonetheless, he's left his mark and he now comes back to an AC Milan side in desperate need of a talisman. They are languishing, I think, their 10th in Serie A. Stefano Poli is now the boss there. They are a wretched football team. I've seen enough of them this season. <laughs> they are a long way shy. Similar to United, similar to Arsenal. Fallen in hard times. Bad decision followed by bad decision followed by another bad decision and that's what can happen when you've not got football people at the top and you're making bad decisions not great he'll go there though he'll be a superstar 38 and he'll probably still run a mock in Italian football again someone knocked his nose off the they statue, did, yeah. The statue yeah, yeah. yeah, it's because of his investment into Hammerby, uh, Hammerby isn't yeah, it yeah that's exactly it Hammerby I, I found this out sad man that I am was doing some late night research and I found out that the same owners of Hammerdy are linked with LA Galaxy okay. so I think part of the deal to bring them to America originally was right you stay here for a couple of years and we'll give you some shares in Hammerby so he is of course formerly of Malmo big rivalry up in Sweden between those two clubs and oh. he walks away what are you celebrating oh. Oh, don't tell me there's no Jamie Vardy in the fantasy football. Is that what you're celebrating? Just having yeah. a little bit of early no, team news. No Jamie Vardy, which given the fact but he's in my I, fantasy football team. Aha, Lucas Fabianski returns, which can only mean <laughs> one thing. West Ham will beat Leicester tonight off the back of Lucas Fabianski returning. Uh, we'll get to full team news for you on that one in just a few moments. We're just getting uh, details coming through with regards to uh, the 9.30 kickoffs. Two games for you at 9.30 this evening. But West Ham fans, yes, uh, and I know there are a number of them out there, uh, will be a little bit more assured about the fact that um, Roberto can stay on the bench uh, for the time being. Uh, as Lucas Fabianski uh, has returned. Why on earth are we making such a big deal about it? Well, West Ham at the beginning of the season with Fabianski uh, in pins was, uh, well, almost flawless. Uh, as soon as he got injured, uh, Roberto came in and it has been an absolute disaster, a train wreck. They, before that game against Crystal Palace, he'd let in 17 goals in seven games. Oh, he's been dropped, hasn't he? Martin was in bins. Then he got injured last oh, week, so we had Roberto oh. back in for Palace. So that means he's, he's, he's shelled 19 goals Ooh. in eight games. Ooh. He is. <laughs> <laughs> he is a long way short of what you're looking for, in fairness to you, Tommy. I, I do feel for you. We will get team news for you on that one. I just wanted to reflect on a couple of the other big stories uh, of the last decade. Mark Archer, a couple of other names you wanted to throw into the mix for you? Oh, we're talking about the greatest sportsmen or sports on, ladies of the last decade. I mean, we've, we've thrown a few out in the last hour. I started it off with Usain Bolt, Chris Counter with Novak Djokovic. For his Novak Djokovic, I threw in there a LeBron James. He wasn't happy with that. We also talked about Messi, Ronaldo, Virat Kohli, 
Let's not leave the woman out. We talked Serena Williams. What she's done in tennis has been phenomenal in the last decade. And Simone, uh, Simone Biles, who we don't talk about much. Every Olympic year we do. Um, her performances in gymnastics and team and in individual events in the in the Olympic arena and World Championship arena has been also unsurpassed. Michael Phelps, have we done that? Michael Phelps kind of finished his career off in the early part of the decade, okay, I think. Right. So he definitely definitely comes in the conversation, but he did much of his great things in the, in the noughties. Um Floyd Mayweather was mentioned. Uh, Lewis Hamilton also came up in discussions. Um, what's the great... Sidney Crosby, who played for Pittsburgh Penguins, Ooh, the great ice hockey player. Oh, no, Sid the Kid. Sid the Kid's been, been, been one Tom of Brady. Tom Brady. If you're picking yeah. one from American sport, well, picking two, LeBron and Tom. Yeah, I, 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 think Tom I think LeBron James is more universally accepted for what he's done internationally and globally than Tom Brady. Just because basketball NBA. and NBA yeah. is bigger yeah. than NFL globally. Yeah, fair. Fact but then in America, it's NFL that's bigger than NBA, right? It's America's game. The argument was made for Novak Djokovic a little earlier on. It has been a decade for him to remember. Is he your standout sportsman, sports person of the last 10 years? Let's remind ourselves of what happened over the course of the last 10 years. Well, not over 10 years, but we'll do it in three minutes in the world of tennis. What was the biggest storyline of the past decade? It can be a person, it can be a trend. Uh, Lindsay, why don't you start us off? For me, Serena Williams. And we saw her end the previous decade as the number one ranked player. We saw her continue that in the last decade. But more importantly, we saw her become a mom. We saw her become a wife. We, we saw a few controversies on court as well. We saw her pursuit of the all-time Grand Slam record for Margaret Court to beat her. Everything went around Serena in women's tennis. And to see her again now, as Jim was saying, players playing in their mid to late 30s. She spent 236 weeks ranked number one this last decade. She really stole the headlines on the WTA, no matter what she did. Yeah, and what about how quickly she came back after having her daughter yep. in 2017? Six months later, she was back to playing. It's pretty unbelievable. One, wait, won a Grand Slam pregnant. <laughs> That takes the cake as well. Didn't know it. Or we didn't <laughs> yeah, know it exactly. at the time. She did. Yeah. Uh, well, for me, guys, this has all been about the, the dominance of the big three, which has just been mind-boggling, really, that three players can own the men's game at, at such a high level, winning 33 of the, of the 40 slam titles. Um, nine out of the ten years, they were year in number one. Andy Murray was the one guy to get in there. And, and spreading the lens a little wider, 16 out of 17 years, one of the big three has been year in number one. And they continue to go and they're going and I don't think that we're done yet which is just amazing six guys won the 40 slams all together it was just the big three and Murray and Stan and Chilich and that was it right do we remember the Marie Sharapova announcement in 2016? Uh, Lindsay and I remember. We were, okay. we were at that press conference, yeah. I mean, when she first, when we first heard that she was going to make this big announcement, we didn't know what it was. Was it retirement? Was it, you know, some illness? We had no idea. And when she finally did come forward mentioning, saying that she had tested positive for meldonium, I mean, remember, Maria Sharapova had been in the top five for the first half of that the decade probably most of those years. She ended 2015, number four in the world. 2016, it all came crashing down. We wondered if she'd come back after a 15-month layoff. She eventually came back uh, in April of 2017, but just hasn't been the same. And we've been waiting for her to, to return to form. She's had some injuries, but that was a huge shock. Yeah, I remember Brett and I Googling what meldonium was. None yeah. of us really even knew what that product was. It, it's been interesting to see Maria try and come back because you see the championship mentality that she has. She doesn't want to give up, but everything has gone against her with injuries, mm -hmm. her play. She's had to pull out of so many tournaments. She hasn't yet gotten back to that same level. I'm not sure if she's going to be able to as the years no. tick by, but it's been fascinating to see her try. And I think, first of all, it was, it was a huge shock when the announcement came um, on a much lesser scale. It's a bit shocking for me that she hasn't been able to recapture that form. It, it, just for a moment. We just haven't seen her streak out and have that big win, you know, and, and that's, I, I'm sure that's why she's still sticking around, trying to have that one big moment in the sun again. She's been back for two and a half years. She's won exactly one title, and she's been to exactly one Grand Slam quarterfinal. You're listening to The Grill. More of the biggest sports stories now. On Dubai Eye 103.8.
Yes, a bit of grill action uh, for the final time this year and for the final time this decade. Uh, we're into the final segment of the show as well. Uh, one thing hasn't changed over the last 10 years. It's Mark Archer and his fact-checking. Uh, somebody's just texted in saying, Phelps retired in 2016, Arch. Hopefully that's a friend of yours. That's what I uh, referred to, didn't he? he no, you said that he years. basically hadn't done much in the last decade. <laughs> well, <laughs> give, give or take six years out of the decade. 60% of it, mate. <laughs> that's fine. Hey, what's, what's six years between friends? <laughs> uh, listen, there's uh, only, only one Olympic Games in there. Two, it, maybe, if you did a bit in Rio. It's, yeah, it would have been the it would have been the, the two, wouldn't it? 2012, 2016. 2012 and Rio. He wasn't happy with what he did in 2012, so that's why he came back to right some wrongs in 2016. There you go. We are. He was on, dominant in the noughties. We are on the verge. I love it. We are on the verge uh, of some big results in the Premier League, which could have some big impacts on the way the table looks at the Absolutely. end of today. No doubt about it. Stoppage time. Uh, Tommy Newcastle one, Everton two. Those two goals from Dominic Calvert-Lewin separate the two sides. It was uh, Fabian Schar who pulled one back. Actually, drew Newcastle level until Dominic Calvert-Lewin profited from great work down the right from Richarlison. Southampton one, Crystal Palace one. Danny Ings cancelling out James Tompkins' opener for the visitors and Watford well they're running away with it 10 man Watford they lead Aston Villa by 3 goals to nil 2 goals from Troy Deeney 1 from Ismail Assar as well and the Nigel Pearson bounce back effect it's working its charm bounce ability as you said let's get to the 9.30s for you 2 games kicking off at 9.30 and then you've got Burnley against Man United at 11.45 this evening <laughs> Genius, watch all three. Uh, let's uh, let's get on to those uh, 9.30 kickoffs. Norwich against Tottenham, I think, Chris, you're doing homes. I'm doing the home, t- home sides. Daniel Farke, big night for him. If it was a big night for Nigel Pearson, it's equally so for Norwich City against Jose Mourinho's Spurs. Tim Krul starts in goals. For me, it's a good bat for I like the two full-backs. They're young. They're a little naive sometimes defensively. I like them going forward. Max Aaron's right back. Jamal Lewis left back. Zimmerman and Grant Hanley. Again, Grant Hanley, the Scotland international, will wear the captain's armband. The midfield two, Alexander Tete and Mario Vrancic. Then you've got Emiliano Buendia, Onel Hernandez. They provide the width and the ingenuity. Marco Steeperman will look to get beyond the front man. It is Timu Puki. The Finn re- continues to lead the line and he will hope for a better evening than what he had at Aston Villa just a couple of days back. Brace yourself because uh, Mourinho has gone to the bench so it's going to be a challenge for Mark Archer. Yeah, I'm still shaking my head over Brendan Rodgers' selection which we'll get to shortly because he's ruined some fantasy football managers' uh, evenings I can tell you Tottenham uh, has uh, Jose Mourinho has made some changes Gazza's in goal again <laughs> Aurier fourth as I said something's never <laughs> changed Gazza Gazzaniga Arch yeah Gazza to his mates uh, Gazza's in goal Aurier fourth Elderweld uh, Tongan. may the fourth be with you Juan Foy a cheap first Sorry, Spurs fans. <laughs> who, who, who's his centre half partner, <laughs> Arch? Uh, it's Alderweireld and uh, Vertonghen. Yeah, two, two in the centre half. Give you those. Uh, Not in ballet in the midfield. This guy I haven't heard him before. Not in ballet or, or non ballet. But here's a name I haven't heard before: Lo Celso. Yeah, Lo Celso. Where's he come from? He is Argentinian. Came from Real Betis, mm. uh, formerly of PSG. Good little midfielder. Hasn't had a happy time of it. And truth be told, since moving to the club in the summer, Mauricio Pochettino didn't fancy him. Jose Mourinho hasn't certainly fancied him since taking charge. But he does start, and he's got who alongside he, Christian him? Christian Eriksen in, in midfield. Will he be there in January? Much talked about. Will he stay? Will yeah. he go? Let's see. Interesting one that to him Deli Alley who's been in wonderful form under Mourinho in the last couple of weeks he's, he's scoring goals for fun there Ryan Session on the talented uh, ex-Fulham player will be up the left-hand side and of course the big England striker Harry Kane will be up front nice yeah. well, well done indeed well uh, done. let's ask your, your attention to Leicester because they've made a few changes as well so let's put uh, Mark Archer on the spot <laughs> hang on tell us. hang on uh, no, okay. I'll start with West Ham Go let on, then, me Leicester. start that I'll give Arch some time to get his uh, his vowels in the right <laughs> order Lucas Fabianski returns to the West Ham goals this evening back for Fredericks Balbuena Diop and Musa- uh, Masuaka it's catching it's what <laughs> It's Declan Rice and Carlos Sanchez anchoring the midfield. It's then Pablo Fornals, Manuel Lanzini, Felipe Anderson, the big Frenchman, Sebastian Haller, back up front for West Ham. I like the look of that team. Looks good. It's good to have some of the creative sparks back. Well, no, it's just great to have Fabianski back. That's all That's all we need, basically, at the moment. Let's wait and see. Uh, because Leicester are flying high at the moment, uh, although I believe a few changes have been rung. Yeah, Brendan Rodgers has obviously had too much... Uh, 
food and beverage over Christmas because he's made nine changes to his starting lineup for Leicester. No Jamie Vardy, not even on the bench. Apparently his wife has had uh, a child and he's off uh, celebrating, so what, what, congratulations to the Vardys. But no Jamie Vardy on the, in the starting lineup or on the bench today. Probably justified then. And uh, yeah. If, if, if he's not in your fantasy team, Tom. <laughs> but, but you got it if you've started him and, and captained him like Chris McCarty would have done. I have not done that. <laughs> Marcus Rashford is my captain. So nine changes for Leicester. Kasper Schmeichel in goal. Justin Morgan, uh, Evans and Fuchs. Uh, back four, Chowdhury, Mendy, Albrighton, Prez, Gray and Inciato will be up front. <laughs> <laughs> Who's up front for Leicester, Arch? <laughs> Prez and Gray. <laughs> Iheanacho, <laughs> Kalechi Iheanacho, former Manchester City man, is up front for Leicester. Oh wow! Uh, right, that's about it for the uh, from us for the decade. Uh, what can we tell you? What's been going on in the Premier League today? It was Brighton who took all the points uh, in the South Coast derby a little earlier on. They beat Bournemouth by two goals to nil. Results now coming in uh, from our seven o'clocks. Uh, Chris, yeah, McCarty? it's two wins from two for Carlo Angelotti. It's the uh, Angelotti effect because they've gone to St James's Park and they have won by two goals to one. Dominic Calvert-Lewin with a double for the Toffees. Fabian Schaar had momentarily had levelled things up for Newcastle. It wasn't to be. That's a big win. I fancied Everton. I fancied Watford. If I was a gambling man, if I was a betting man, I'd be a rich man this evening. I am not, however. Watford, they lead Aston Villa by three goals to nil. There's a little spat here. I'm not quite sure what's Grealish. going on. Oh, jeepers. Jack Grealish is just... Well, he's, he's, he's kicked the ball against his head. I mean, there's nothing in that. I put Move Jack on. Grealish in my fantasy football team today and I'm getting nothing for that change. Typical. Southampton won. Crystal Palace won. That is a full time on the South Coast. It was James Tompkins who put Palace ahead. Danny Ings levelled things up. Uh, and yeah that's it that's all about it uh, uh, and of course it is uh, uh, Watford that will take the points at Aston Villa in fact they just have yeah. as well the points have gone right that's it from us we're going to play out with my favourite moment uh, of the last sporting year uh, just remains for me to say a big thank you to you Chris McCarty thank and Mark you. Archer not just for the hard yards over the last 12 months uh, but over the last decade as well what is it? we've almost done a decade haven't we Art? nine years 2011 we started so we're, we're, we're nine years in and uh, one more year hopefully still here at Bresti when we come back in January after tonight's performance yeah, and uh, you might like we are <laughs> you, you oh, tonight's be. performance you've got a bit of words to do kid <laughs> you'll be out to pastures new <laughs> Mark but looking, looking forward to 2020 uh, Merry Christmas to everyone and uh, hope everyone has a great New Year's in the next couple of days uh, all the best to you Chris thanks for flying in thanks for this mate. one yeah, yeah weird as it is but yeah uh, and sportsman of the year we're all in agreement Novak Djokovic I think you've gone for Djokovic you've gone for I'll take Usain Bolt still you're going for Usain Bolt I didn't really come up with anybody before I should have done uh, I'll do tomorrow on the agenda tune in before <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning I promise uh, but what I do want to play out with is uh, my highlight of 2019 uh, the reason I've kept it to last is so that Mark Archer couldn't sabotage it because it centres around a small cricket tournament that took place in the United Kingdom during the summer this might jog a few rem- memories we'll see you in 2020 goodbye that is one of the greatest catches of all time smacked it absolutely made it this time Ferguson picks up his third and ends what is a very good bowling performance from this New Zealand side. Oh, now what a beauty that is! What a beauty that is, Wahab Riaz! There you go! A Lasset Malinga special crashes into middle stuff. Nothing better than to start off the World Cup. Your first innings at the crease with 100. A quality performance from Raj Sharma. That is brilliant. That is outstanding from Shell. Does he get his 150? He certainly does. He's second this year. Oh, that's gone. Up and six. Oh, this is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. This is a shot that is played quite a lot in the tournament. Is a record for Ern Morgan, the most amount of sixes in an ODI innings, 17. Oh, is Nick? He's nicked it. He has nicked it. What a win for Sri Lanka.
work of Patrick, the second Indian bowler to do it. Fielder underneath. And taken. Oh, he's bowled him. Brilliant start from Berendorf. That is brilliant bowling. What is probably the best Yorker of this World Cup so far? Oh, that's a beauty. Laying down, must be bees, a swarm of bees or something. Where are they? What a shot! Pakistan wins the clear here at least. And you can hear the stadium has erupted. Oh, yes, that is the start New Zealand were looking for. It is the big fetch as well. Oh, that's close, very close indeed. Gone. Yeah, looked good. And another one. And another one. He's in all over India here. But again, a very proud director. Is this the World Cup? It's Martin Gapto. Is this the final? That's the ball you're looking for. That's the one they're looking for. Given. Given. First ball. Smith moves to 50, 50 in 72 deliveries. Oh, that could be tight. That could be the end of Smith. Oh, what a shot. Save your legs, Jason Roy. There's the 50. Haven't been able to get anything out of it. That's up here in the cover, We will have a new name on that cup. It will be England or New Zealand. Bowlers have done their job, it's over to the batters. It's carried through and Latham takes the catch. And Henry has got the breakthrough and it's Roy at that. Could be out, could be out! Is out! Three on the money, but it's out of the ground, is it? Is it out of the ground? It is! Goes again, they go to the other end. In the way. This is going to go all the way to the boundary of the bit. Can you believe this? They're going to push. And we're in for a super over. They've got to go quick. They've got to go quick. Out. I'm sure he's out. We're going to a super over. He gets it in again. He gets a boundary. 15 off the super over. And New Zealand's target in six deliveries is 16 to be the world champion. A wide in. Ah, it's got it! It's huge! It's gone! It's out of the park! I've gone to the wrong end. Now we're down to three from two. Two from one. Two to win. Guttel's gonna push for two. They've got to go. It's got to has gotta to go to the keeper's end. He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! By the barest of all margins! There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.